that this is what fatherhood looks like, right? Look how happy, I don't know if you can see real well, look how that, look how that little girl is looking at her dad. And look at how he is gazing into her eyes. And look how easy their embrace is. I believe this is Norman Rockwell. Um, I think the name of the painting is um, Happy Birthday, Dad. And this is, this is the kind of message I was going to bring you today about, hey, how can we be these kinds of dads? And how can we, um, you know, how can we achieve this painting? But that's not reality. I mean, some of us had those relationships with our fathers. Some of us did. And I, I wouldn't say, some of us were fortunate enough to have good relationships with our fathers. And I, I, w- I won't say blessed, because blessed implies favor, and favor implies favoritism, and favor, nobody needs a God who shows favorites. A God who shows favorites is the last thing that anybody needs. So I don't believe that God has favorites. But some of us were fortunate enough, we got the powerball of fathers, and, and we, were able, we, we were fortunate enough that we had a father who invested in us and cared about us. <clears throat> and so if that's you this morning, thank you, or, or praise God for that. Um, but I'm going to spend the rest of my time talking to other people. <laughs> so um, so I, I didn't know quite what I was going to talk about this morning. I was going back and forth about what my message should be like. I went to a, it was kind of a minister's conference this past week. I don't know if you'd specifically call it a minister's conference. But um, during one of the sessions, one of the guys started singing Father Abraham. You know the Father Abraham. Had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right on. As a kid in church, I, the first verse I always hated because, I mean, this is boring. You know, right arm. Then you go right arm, left arm. You know, if you've never sang Father Abraham, you have no idea what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> and you think I'm weirder than you already did before. But Father Abraham is a fun song to sing if you're a kid. But I want to look at the story of Abraham this morning. And, you know, we all have kind of a... Sunday school way of looking at some of the stories in the Bible, don't we? Because most of us learned, I mean, not most of us, lots of churches don't even have Sunday school anymore. This church doesn't have a Sunday school. But some of the older ones of us, we learned these Bible stories in Sunday school, right? And Sunday school teachers had this great way of making horrific stories end happily. Right? The entire population of the world is wiped out in a watery grave. But let's color a picture of a rainbow because we got rainbows out of that. <laughs> Woohoo! David chops off the head of an uncircumcised Philistine, and we're drawing pictures, we're coloring pictures of it. Woohoo! Isn't that great, kids? And the story I'm going to talk about this morning, most of us have heard the Sunday school ending. And most of us still think that that's a Sunday school ending, that it had a Sunday school ending. But I want to look a little bit deeper this morning at the text. And what does it reveal to us? I'm going to read the story of Abraham and Isaac to you in probably a way you've never heard. And I don't want you to get mad at me and say, that's not biblical. There are different ways to read the text. This is one that I'm going to offer you this morning. 
You don't believe that there are different ways to read the text? That's okay. You don't have to believe that. Just, do you remember when Jesus said to the rich young ruler that came to him, and he said, hey, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, uh, what does the law tell you? How do you read it? So, if you think there's only one way to read every text, okay, well, if you figured that out, good for you. You got something to talk about with Jesus, though. You take that up with Jesus, not me. Okay. Those are all my disclaimers. Got those out of the way. So you have no excuse to be mad at me at the end. Yeah, well, that's not true. I'm sure I'll say something to offend somebody, but that seems to be my way. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the story of Abraham, and I, I want to look at it in a brutally honest way this morning. I want to look at... Uh, in a way that maybe many of us have never seen. And I know that for some of you, it's even hard to be in church on Father's Day because, um, you know, I talked about the small percentage of us that had good fathers, that had, that had people that invested in our lives. But I, I understand that I'm talking to some people this morning who did not have that. And I'm talking to some people this morning who didn't want to come to church on Father's Day, who didn't want to hear the word father. And I understand that. In a room this size, I, I get that. And I want to be honest about that. I don't want to run from that. I want to embrace that. I want to look that in the face. And so we all talk about Father Abraham and we sing, Father Abraham had many sons. But was Father Abraham a good father? I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's the question I want to ask. He sends away Ishmael to the desert to die. And then God tells him, hey, Genesis 22, take Take thy son, thine only son, the son in whom you love. Take him up. You're going to offer him as a burnt sacrifice to the mountain that I will show you. And Abraham rises up early on the next morning. Now, we're not going to have time to get into all of this. But Abraham, by nature, we know is an arguer with God. He argues with God over, over Ishmael. Can he be the son of blessing? He argues with God over Sodom. God for 50, God for 45, God for 40. Abraham argues with God. But God tells him, hey, take your son, your only son, go sacrifice him. First thing in the morning, Abraham's gone. I, I have so many questions about this story that I'm not going to be able to get into all of them. We know that God is a God who detests sacrifice of children. But yet we see this. And like I said, we're not going to be able to get into it and try to explain it all this morning. But I want to get to, I want to, get to part of it. We always read this text, and, and we, always read, we always read the story of David and Goliath from the perspective of David. We always read the story of Noah from the perspective of Noah, right? We always read the story of Abraham and Isaac from the perspective of Abraham. We don't, we don't, we don't often read it from the perspective of Ishmael and Ishmael's mother, the slave. We don't often read it from the perspective of Isaac. So God tells uh, Abraham this. Abraham gets up early the next morning. <laughs> Obviously, he got up before Sarah woke up, or there would have been trouble. If you don't believe me, read a few chapters back. And he takes off with Isaac, his son, and they travel for three days. Must have been an awkward three days. We're told about some of the conversation. Father, we have this, we have that, but where is the sacrifice? The Lord shall provide. The Lord will provide, young Isaac. 
You didn't know Abraham was truly uh, Irish, did you? <laughs> We've had it wrong all these years. The Lord will provide Isaac. Let's just keep on walking. And then they get to the mountain, and Abraham's like, uh, me and the boy are going to go up. And then me or the boy are going to come back. And, and the writer of Hebrews picks this up and says, um, Abraham believed that God could raise him from the dead. Well, we don't get that in this narrative. And so Abraham and Isaac go up. What must it have been like for Isaac when he realized what was really going on? When his father ambushes him at the top of the mountain. What must that have been like? Now, I've, in, in the Sunday school stories, Isaac was an obedient boy and laid down and his father bound him. Well, if he was so obedient, why do you have to be bound? I know this is uncomfortable. I, I'm un, I can feel the uncomfortable tension. You're like, where are you going with this? We love to sing Father Abraham. He ambushes Isaac. Some of you have felt ambushed in your life by your father. I mean, really, let's be honest. We have. You have. Some of you have felt betrayed. Some of you have felt. And so, so uh, for those of you who don't know the story, the, how it ends, um, Isaac binds, or uh, I'm sorry, Abraham binds Isaac. He puts him on the wood. He raises the knife. And God's like, no. He has to say Abraham twice. Abraham, Abraham. First time, he's just like, Abraham, go kill your son. Oh, okay. <laughs> then he's like, hey, when he tries to tell him to stop, he's like, Abraham, Abraham. He has to scream it. And then, then they see that a ram is provided. What must Isaac have thought? Who is this father of mine? And who is this God that told him to do this to me? Do you know that the last recorded conversation in Scripture between Abraham and Isaac happens before this? That we never see Abraham and Isaac together again. We never see Abraham and Sarah together again. The very next story, Abraham, it says Abraham returns. The, the narrator the whole time is saying Abraham and Isaac, they went together. They both went. They both went on together. But then Abraham returns and there is no mention of Isaac. What happens to Isaac? Jewish uh, historians and many Christian historians also believe that he ran as soon as his father untied him, ran to his mother. We don't know that for sure. But Sarah is never in Abraham's presence again. Because the very next story that we get from the scripture is Sarah dies and Abraham travels to go see her to mourn over her and buys a field there, and then buries her there, and then he returns to Beersheba. Because this is, where, this is where all this takes place. They're in Beersheba that morning, and Abraham wakes up Isaac. Hey, we're going. Let's go. It's early. Don't wake mom. Please don't wake mom. We're going to go. Let's go. And from Beersheba, the last conversation that Abraham and Isaac have together is before his father puts him on the wood. Abraham, the father of our faith, 
The father of the three major religions in the world come from Father Abraham. And Father Abraham's family was just as messed up as yours. Father Abraham had many issues, and many issues had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. The patriarch, the father of our faith, was just as messed up as you. Why then do we Christians pretend that we have it all figured out? Why do we pretend that we are so perfect? And try to put on a facade. My Uncle David's here this morning. He, he, has a, he likes to say, um, I think I've got this quote right. Insanity runs in some families. But it gallops effortlessly in ours. And that's true. Living proof. But Isaac is left with what kind of God is this? What kind of man is this? And it's troubling. It's troubling. Because we have always pretended and thought in our minds that at the end of this, Isaac and Abraham embraced. And Abraham, there, there now, Isaac. What a good boy. Here's a nickel for your trouble. I mean, Abraham sends his own servant to go find a, a wife for Isaac. He brings him back to, to Isaac's mother's tent where Isaac is living. Not to Abraham's tent where Isaac is living. To Isaac's mother's tent far away from Abraham. And it says that Rebekah and Isaac got married and Rebekah comforted. And, and Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. Isaac, this is... When we're talking about Isaac, we're talking about someone who is deeply wounded. Someone who is deeply wounded. And some of us, our wounds run deep. Some of us have been deeply wounded by others. Some of us have been deeply wounded by our fathers. Some of us have been deeply wounded by maybe not our fathers, but maybe by someone else. And those wounds, if we're not careful, they will define us. If we're not careful, they will drive us. Isaac, we, we, we read the rest of Isaac's story. He is driven. He's a man who is driven. And then he starts walking all the same roads that his father walks. He, <clears throat> if you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, you know that Abraham goes into Egypt. He lies and he's like, oh, no, no, this is my sister. And so the Pharaoh's like, oh, she's good looking. I'm going to take her. And so he takes her. And then Isaac goes into a foreign land. And uh, the guy's like, oh, who's this? And uh, he's like, oh, she's my sister. And he's like, oh, okay, good. Isaac starts making some of the same mistakes that his own dad did. And starts, God blesses him and God multiplies him. And, and Isaac is this successful guy, but he still is driven by something. This, this wound in him still is pushing him and driving him to something. So, so we see he'll go and he'll redig all the wells that his father dug, and then he'll give him the same name, and then they'll be quarreling and fighting, and so he'll have to move on, and he'll redig the wells of Abraham, and he'll give him the same name, and then there's fighting and quarreling, and he'll have to move on. And finally, he comes to a place, uh, and he digs a well, and he names it Rehoboth. 
And he says, God has made a place for me. And Isaac, it seems, he has come to a place. He's made peace with himself. He has come to a place where he, he realizes that he, he's successful in business. He's got everything that he's ever really wanted. He has all the money that he could want. He has lands. He has, he has everything that he could ever want. But this wound in him will not let him rest. And he goes to Beersheba for the first time since that morning that his dad woke him up and said, let's go. For the first time, Isaac returns to Beersheba where he was going to become the sacrifice. And it says that that night, God appears to Isaac and says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Think about that for a minute, what that must have sounded like to Isaac. I am the God of your father Abraham. And then he follows it with this. Do not be afraid. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am more than your father Abraham represented me to be. I am more than your father Abraham showed you of me. I am God. I am more than they could ever speak of me, that they could ever say of me. I am more. And as I read this story, I began to think about my own life and how that I will no doubt be Abraham to somebody's Isaac. In doing what I think is right, I will be Abraham to somebody's Isaac. And my hope is that they will find that God was my God, but that I'm their God too. And that I am, God is more than I could ever say that he was. God is more than anything that I've ever done to them. God is more than anything that Abraham ever did to Isaac. God is more than that. God is more. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid. Some of us have been hurt by fathers. Some of us have been hurt by others. God is more than that. God is more than the pain that you have felt. God is more than the suffering that you have endured. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Man, I think I've gone through a lot of my notes already. You should be happy about that. <laughs> oh, I didn't t tell you about this. Abraham dies and Isaac and Ishmael meet up to bury their father. First time. And Jewish historians say that they danced at their father's grave. It's not in the scripture. But Jewish historians say they danced at their father's grave and said, this is the man who sent us away. The man who sent us away is finally gone. And if you read, Abraham sent away all his children. He had another wife and he sent away all the children. After Sarah, he has another wife and he sends away all the children. He sends away... Isaac, he runs off, or he runs off Isaac. He sends away Ishmael. The dysfunction ran well with Abraham. And it continues with Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. Esau could have really used some personal care products, some tweezers, some um, nair, 
if you're familiar with the story of Esau, he came out of the womb and was like this, he's very hairy. <laughs> the scripture talks about him several different times. He was very, Joseph killed, uh, killed like a goat and put the goat skin on so that his dad would think he was Esau. Not Joseph, Jacob. I get my J's messed up. I don't know why I told that story. It has nothing to do with where we're going. It was just troubling me in my mind. I just had to get it out. I wasn't going to be able to go on unless I cleared my mind of Esau and his lack of grooming. But Isaac continues the same pattern as his father Abraham. And he's never, he never gets satisfied until he deals with the wound. That's deep. Until he deals, and he builds, it says he builds an altar to God at Beersheba. He builds an altar there to God. So I'm telling you this morning that God is more than the wound that you have. He's more than the God that you've been shown by others. He's a God who cares infinitely about you. You know, this is also Trinity Sunday, according to the church calendar. And so I'm going to end by talking about a little bit about what God really looks like. Because to Isaac, God was, could have been a monster in Isaac's mind. We don't know that for sure. Isaac doesn't say that. But just think about a young child and what they would have thought. But God is not a monster. God is Jesus Christ. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. Jesus says in other places, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John tells us in the first chapter that no one has seen God. No one. What about Moses? No. What about Abraham? No. What about Isaac? No. John knew the Old Testament. No one has seen God. Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. No. Compared to the revelation of God we have in Jesus Christ, no one has seen God. What Abraham saw was not all of God. What, what Moses saw was not everything there was to see about God. Everything there's to see about God is given to us in Jesus Christ. Some of us grew up with an image of God as this lightning from heaven. You better not mess up. You better not smoke a cigarette. You better not say a bad word. You better not, you know, fill it in with your own, what you were told. You better not do this. Well, you better not do that. God is going to just lightning. God can't wait. God can't wait for you to mess up. That was the image that a lot of us had of God. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. Jesus is God. Do you know what, I don't know about growing up, but I was scared. I mean, I, you can call it reverence or whatever to come up on this platform when church wasn't going on. I go up on that platform, something might happen. I might... Lightning might come out of heaven, you know. I might trip on the way out of church and break my neck. Oh, you laugh, but you all had some of the same thoughts. 
You better be careful what you say about God. Oh, don't say that to God. You better be careful. Do you know what God does when he is mocked? I do, because I've seen it on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you know what God does when you punch him in the face? Nothing. Do you know what he does when you spit in his face? He takes it. Do you know what he does when you whip him? He uses that to bring healing to others. He does not retaliate. Jesus is God. What we see him do on the cross is God. Not the faceless, thundering voice from the chick tracks. But Jesus. In the end, the face we see on the throne will be the same face we saw on the cross. The face that is seated on the, seated on the throne will be the face that was on the cross. That said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. This is my blood. And I shed it for you. My father loved you so much that he sent me. For God so loved the world. We talked about it in Bible study. Not God so hated the world or God was so disgusted with the world or God was so mad at the world. God loves this world. God loves you. He was broken for you. He loves you. He wants to heal you of those wounds. Isaiah the prophet says he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. Jesus is the face of God. The love of Jesus is the face of God. I don't know what you've been taught, I don't know what you've been told, but Scripture tells us that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the ideas, the thoughts of God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is God. Amen? And Jesus, you've all heard this a million times, Jesus loves you. I want you to hear that, though, again today, not in the cheesy Sunday school way. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is God. I, I have spoken of God in the previous way that I talked about. I've talked about God like that. I've had to repent. God is not mean. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, we know it as the love chapter. We read it on Valentine's Day together, but instead of saying, um, 
Love never fails and love is patient, love is kind. We replace that with the word God. God is patient, God is kind. God is not puffed up, God is not proud. God is not what many preachers say that he is. God, 1 John tells us, God is love. God is not lovely. God is not loving. God is love itself. It is the definition. It is what defines him. God is love. And 